Hey everyone, welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, where you can hear our latest teachings and conversations. Hey friends, it's so good to be together this morning. I hope your PJs are comfy and your coffee is hot. Hey, if you need to go get more coffee or more tea, or hey, maybe you even need to go fill up some sippy cups. I'm sure that's what's happening at our house. Um, Hey, maybe you're not even supposed to be using a sippy cup, but hey, maybe it feels good to use a sippy cup this morning. Have at it. (laughs) Anyway, we are in week 10 of our Ephesians, A Mighty Good Future series. And before we go any further, can you just acknowledge, and I, I want to acknowledge how, how wonderful of a gift this series has been. Don't you agree? Even, even the timing of this series has been so good for right now. God knows what he's doing. Um, even in the comments and the like button, can we, just, can we just show thanks to King Jesus for this series? I just feel like in our home, he's just been revealing so much. And even though we are online, God has been doing beautiful and wonderful things in our home. Being in the presence of God together is so good. We are going to flow this morning right out of what Pastor Tim brought us this week. So before we go any further, too, why don't you go grab your Bible? Um, I'll give you a minute. You can go grab your Bible. Maybe it's on the bookshelf or in your room, wherever. And let's open up to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. For those of us with siblings, maybe even right now you're watching with your brother and sister kids, uh, but even adults right now, maybe you remember back when you were kids and you were with your siblings, your brother and your sister, and you remember the moment when your brother or sister got in trouble, but you didn't. You're kind of standing there next to mom and dad and you're looking at them. Maybe this even happened this morning. Um, But you're standing next to mom and dad, you're looking at them and you're almost staying with your eyes. Yeah, that's right. I just want to make sure you heard what mom and dad said to you. It's you, the world, and it's mom and dad against your brother and sister. You are king or queen and they are the peasant. But then the tables turn All of a sudden, mom and dad turn to you and you realize, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Or maybe it's a moment, to get a little serious for a moment, maybe it's a moment of injustice or something that just makes your blood boil. How can this happen? This isn't right. Then all of a sudden, the thought pops into your head or into your heart even, wait, oh man, I've done that before. And that truth just hits you in the soul. We live in a time where it is very easy to look at the faults and the evils of another to make ourselves feel better. Do you hear me this morning? My issues aren't that terrible compared to so-and-so over there, so I'm pretty good. Us versus them. But the beauty of the way of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, God's design offers a different way, a uniting way. Let's come to the text this morning, ready to learn, ready to be shaped, ready to be confronted and provoked, but ready to receive, ready to receive. Ephesians chapter 2, before we dive into 11 through 16, where we're going to spend our morning today, I want to just focus on where Pastor Tim left off last week in verse 10. Actually, before we go any further, would you pray with me one more time? Just welcome the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us this morning. 
God, we just take a breath. We take a moment to even acknowledge your presence in the room. Holy Spirit, would you make us aware of your presence? Would you make us aware of your closeness? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? Shine a light into our soul today. Reveal something new. Holy Spirit, would you speak? Amen, amen, amen. All right, starting in verse 10, Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us all along. So that is the starting point this morning. Before we go any further, we are God's masterpiece. Verse 11, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises of God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jew and Gentile by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Verse 16, where we're going to end today. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. Was put to death. What a dense section of scripture this is. Let's unpack this as best we can to fully understand what's happening in this moment, in this letter from Paul. Now remember, Paul is a Jewish man who has a deep, sorry, a deep and rich knowledge of his past and his history. What Paul is talking about here goes all the way back to Genesis and the covenant promise that God made with Abraham. Quick summary, really quick, because this would be a long story and we'd be here all morning. In the creation story or poem, we read that God created humanity in the image of God. What does God say? He says, let us make humanity in our image. So in the image of God, he created them. And we, we kind of read this almost as a callback here in verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. All humanity and all of its diversity made in the image of God. That is the beginning. That is the starting point. And humanity decides that they want their own way. Rebellion and sin enter the creation story and creation is broken. Humanity begins to create their own name and their own greatness and then enters Abraham. God chose Abraham and his people to be the vehicle in which God's rescue and redemption enter the story. I'm gonna read here in Genesis chapter 12, verse one. The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Now catch this. This is the hinge point. 
I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Another translation says it this way. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. But catch this, so that there's a purpose, there's a direction, so that you will be a blessing. Can you see God's plan of restoration even in that verse right there? I will bless you. Did you catch it? I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. God's plan to bring humanity and creation back to himself is so evident in that verse. A human family, the family of God, diverse and beautiful. Unity, origin and future together. This call to Abraham to be a great nation, to be blessed, to be a blessing, comes directly after a moment when God scatters the nations and the families. This is not a call of Abraham to be better than the rest. Again, this came at a time when humanity was, it's a Tower of Babel story, where humanity decides, hey, we're gonna make our name great and we're gonna build a tower. You can read in, in, the, in, in the book of Genesis where they're just making this, this, this picture of, 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 of rise to where God's status is. I'm gonna build this tower so that we can be great, so that we can be like God, so that we can make our name great. And God disperses it, and out of that comes Abraham. Not to be better than the rest. It's a call and a movement from God to bring everyone back to him under God not under their own greatness or their own name. Abraham was just a guy, a no-name. God didn't pick a king or queen who was trying to make their name great. No, he picked a person, a nomadic shepherd. God was continuing his pursuit and love for his creation through the family of Abraham to bring all nations back to himself. As history goes, God continues to give the descendants of Abraham ways of living and laws. This was a continued motion from God to bring all nations, all peoples, all creation back to his design, a better way. The covenant, the promises, the laws, instead of being this beautiful invitation into the family of God, they were created into a hindrance. They became a hindrance. The descendants of Abraham become slaves in Egypt, as we've talked and read before. And God delivers them. But down the road, get this, they make other nations their slaves. They make their name great, but not to be a blessing to the nations. Enter again into Paul's letter here. They became, as it says in verse, verse 14, what did it say? They created a wall of hostility that separated us a dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. Now, a, a great way to understand the word Gentile, it literally translates into the word nations. So it is literally every nation, tribe, tongue, every people. For this dividing wall to come down, two things needed to be broken down in the minds of the strict Jews at the time. First, the sense of animosity between these two had to go. The animosity had to go. And it needed to be replaced with fellowship, togetherness, family. Second, the law had to be abolished. Now, hear me. Not destroyed. They are different. 
The law was given to set God's people apart and also to be an invitation into the family of God. But instead, these rules and customs and laws, they created a wall between the Jews and the nations. What Jesus did on the cross fulfilled and completed what the law was meant to be. What does Jesus say in the Gospels? I have come to what? Fulfill the law, not destroy it. The law and ceremonies were fulfilled in Jesus. For both Jew and Gentile, there was the same avenue of redemption and restoration through Jesus. This was extremely provocative to the Jewish readers of this letter. The very thing God gave to be an invitation into the family of God the restored creation, the restored humanity was used to keep rest of humanity out. Once again, human rebellion instead of God's design. Now, we read this as 21st century North Americans and potentially we read this and we're thinking, this is kind of a silly reason for division between people. But take a moment and think through human history. Colonization. The Crusades, the discovery of the new world when settlers first came to North America, the Holocaust, the African slave trade, Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights movements, discrimination against indigenous peoples, French-speaking and English-speaking citizens, black and white, I'm better, you are not, social class, upper class, middle class, lower class, history over and over tells the story of one group of people deciding they need to make their name great and put another down. I'm better. You need to be like me in order to fit in. To be normal or receive honor and respect, you need to be like us, with us or against us. I win, you lose. I fit in, you do not. I am the right color, you are not. Division a wall of division. Hear me and, read and hear the word of the text. That was never the design. The family of God in all its diversity, color, and flavor, that is the kingdom of God. Jesus came to break down the barriers that we as humanity create along the way that say, my name is better than yours. Jesus says, hear this this morning, Actual, true peace and harmony comes when every name, every tribe, every nation comes under the name of King Jesus. That is good news. That is good news. Paul is pulling back the curtain and exposing a lie that humanity has believed really since the very beginning of time. I need to make my name great. Through the cross, through the love and the grace and mercy of King Jesus, Jesus restored the relationship between the relationship we could have with God. But hear this, he also reconciled the relationship we have with each other. The relationship between creation and creation, human and human, nation and nation, the family of God, the church, one living organism in which members so diverse belong together, a mighty good future. Now, the thing about family though is, Family is messy. Family is messy. Can I get an amen? Family is messy. It's gritty. It's imperfect. It's grumpy sometimes. It has bad days and it has good days. 
but we're in it together. A good family can allow space to have bad and good days. It's grace, it's mercy, it's love. Do we let what Jesus did on the cross mend the division humanity has created? That is a deep question this morning. Do we let what Jesus did on the cross mend the division humanity has created? Do we let Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross, even restore the way we see each other? Outsider, insider, they don't exist in the economy of the kingdom of God. Everyone is welcome to come to King Jesus, period. Would it be scandalous grace if we put boundaries on who God could love? Is it even love if we decide who can have it? We are all in need of love. We are all in need of grace. We are all in need of mercy. We are all in need of forgiveness. Maybe you're listening and you're watching today, and at one point or another, Christians and or the church have made you feel like you don't belong. Actually, maybe not even made you feel like you don't belong, but have actually said you don't belong. Your stuff is too bad. You don't look the right way. You don't act the right way. You don't speak the right way. There are times when the church needs to remember we are in need of saving and healing. Just because we're the church doesn't mean we've had it all figured out or we've got it all figured out. Verse 16 again, together. Even that word there, together, unity, togetherness, family, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Man, do we let that get put to death or do we let it live? What would happen if the love and grace of God took root in us so deep and we saw people as God's creation? No matter what they looked like, what would happen if the love and grace of God took root so deep we saw people the way God sees them? Or even for that matter, we saw ourselves as the way God sees us. Brokenness turned to beauty. What if grace and love was the starting point instead of the economy that was needed to be earned? What if love and grace were the places where we started? Jesus tells the story of a son who asked for his father's inheritance early, which is basically saying, Father, I wish you were dead. Since you're not, please give me your inheritance now and just get it over with. And the son takes it and basically just wastes it. He, did, he throws it away. And Luke 15, verse 20 says this, speaking about the son here. So the son returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. 
Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating because he has returned safe. The older brother was angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? Come on. But his father says to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had, oh, I love that, we had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. In one way or another, we've all been the son who did what he wanted. We squandered, we wasted, we threw it all away. But we can also find ourselves being the second older brother, can't we? But they messed up more than I did. But they did way worse than I ever did. They don't deserve that. What about me? What do I get? I was the one that did it right. This father's response is so beautiful. He says to the older son, everything I have is already yours. It's there. Just if you wanted to go for, your, for you and your friends, go take it. It's yours. You're my son. There's no competition. There's no greater or less than. You're all my children. I am your father welcome home. What did it say in Genesis at the very beginning? Let us make humanity in our image, all of it, beautiful in the image of God. Verse, uh, verse 10 of chapter two, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, family, togetherness, unity, a mighty good future. I would even add a messy, maybe mighty good future. There's no competition. There's no greater than or less than. There's just family in the kingdom of God together. As I read over this, the part of Paul's letter this week, I found myself coming to the Lord and just asking the question, God, reveal to me the places in my heart where, where they are empty of your grace and your love. Is there a part of me, and I'm asking this question for myself, is there a part of me keeping someone else out because I don't think they deserve the love of God? Is there a part of me that goes to the direction of the older brother and says, hey, wait a minute. No, no, no. That's not right. Do you know what they did? Is there a part of me that would be angered or bothered if that person showed up? Is there a part of me that would be angry even if that person came to me and said, I need Jesus, I need to give my life to King Jesus? Or maybe you're hearing or watching this right now and you've been hurt, as I've said before, you've been hurt or kept out by the church. I'm just in this moment adding to the noise of the hurt. Oh, the church is not perfect and we are sorry. Let me even take this moment to people on our island that the church has hurt and have said you don't belong or you shouldn't be here. 
That is not the way of Jesus. That is not the way of Jesus. We are all in process, whether we're in the church or not. We are all in process, and we make mistakes. But God is still calling your name today. You belong. You are not alone. You are for this family. You are part of something great. God looks at you and says, I made you in my image. You are my child. You belong to me. I look at you just like that father, just like that father in that story that saw his son from afar off. You know, for the father to be looking or to see his son from afar off, he had to be looking for him, didn't he? He couldn't have just, oh, just caught the speck off in the distance. No, he was waiting, looking. He was looking for his son. God is waiting for you like the father who is waiting for the son to come home. We, followers of Jesus, the church need to be like the father who waits for the son. Ready, just ready to pour out love and grace and compassion. And not be the older brother who's angered by the audacious grace and love that the father shows. There's no competition. The family of God is beautiful and it's good, and it's united. It's a mighty good future, together, restored, being the vehicle in the world that just pours out God's presence in the world. The diverse family of God, the kingdom of God made alive around us. That is a mighty good future. That is a beautiful, diverse family of God. That is a mighty good future. Would you pray with me this morning as we just reflect and just maybe even ponder and and let the Holy Spirit reveal things to us today? Would you pray with me as we close? God, that that is a heavy word today. And there's probably things going on in our very soul, stirring things up. Maybe there's, there's even anger being stirred up. Maybe this, this has been, a, and even for me this week, it has been a, a hard to swallow word from you. For those of us even who are like, oh, I don't, I don't have a problem with this. This, is, this isn't my thing. Lord, I pray you just break that down and we would just submit to your word today. That God, what you're doing is good that you are after every heart, every name, every life. If there is breath in your lungs, you were made in the image of God. You are part of the family of God, period. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. Your future is marked in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just declare in this place today, in our homes across our island, wherever this is being watched or listened to, that, Lord, you are after the heart of every human being in this world, and you have always been. That is who you are. We can see it throughout the pages. We read it this morning. Genesis chapter 12, go be a blessing. I'm gonna make you a blessing to be a blessing to the nations because I made them to be part of my family. Lord, humble us. Use us to be vehicles of your family and your restoring work. May we be a kingdom economy family that says, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's going on. God is in the business of restoring and turning brokenness into beauty. That is good news. Lord, thank you for your good news. Thank you for your design. Thank you for your love and your grace. God, we love you. We love you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening and joining us today. 
If you'd like to know more about the Lighthouse Church, you can find us on Facebook at Lighthouse Graham and Ann or on Instagram at The Lighthouse GM. We'd love to chat with you more. Maybe something jumped out at you or grabbed your attention while you were listening today. We would love to talk with you and discuss some of the deeper questions of life together. God loves you, we love you, and we're in this together.